Somebody told me that I need to have more visiting preachers that throw out money. Deuteronomy chapter number four, and uh, tonight, last time we looked at Deuteronomy, we studied chapters one, two, and three. Tonight, we're going to be looking at four, five, and six, and uh, and our reason behind this is uh, because this is Moses's letter to the children of Israel. Genesis was written as since uh, it was started by God in the beginning, God. Uh, Exodus doesn't begin with Moses, it begins outside of Moses, the children of Israel. Uh, Leviticus is to the Levites, Numbers is uh, spoken from the Lord, uh, and, but Deuteronomy is different because this says this is uh, the word from Moses, this comes from Moses. And Deuteronomy, if you remember, means the second giving of the law. Uh, duet, and there is two, and uh, the idea of uh, Nonomy are is, uh, is the idea of law. So the second giving of law is what this is. And we talked about why, why study this book. Well, we're studying the life of Moses, so it's important that we understand uh, what he did. Hopefully after we finish this, we'll probably uh, go over to Psalm chapter number 90 and see uh, his psalm that he wrote. If you, if you didn't know that already, he wrote a psalm. And then uh, and we'll see some other things about Moses. But Nonetheless, is that Moses um, wrote these 34 chapters and uh, penned them out, and he wrote them for a specific purpose, and that is so that the people of God would remember the law of God. And because we all have a hard time remembering things, don't we? We have a hard time remembering things. Some of us worse than others, no doubt about that. Uh, but remembering is something that God is constantly calling us to do. He's calling us into remembrance. And in Deuteronomy 1 through 3, the theme for that was to fear not the people. Do not fear the people that you're about to go into. Don't fear, don't fear the Ammonites, and, or uh, don't fear the, the, the Canaanites, and the, don't fear the, the Jebusites. Don't fear all of those people. That was the theme in chapters 1, 2, and 3. So if the chapters, so if those chapters was to not fear the people, I would say that chapters four, five, and six are that we ought to fear God, and so that's a good theme for our life. Amen. We don't fear people, but we fear God. We fear the Lord. That should be the the running theme for our lives. That we don't fear people. We the fear of man is a snare, right? And we ought to fear the Lord. And that means to revere him, to honor him, and to respect God, to love him, is included in that also, I believe. But Deuteronomy chapter number 4, is also, Deuteronomy also 4, 5, and 6 also shows to us 
that the book of Deuteronomy is a little bit different than Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers in the sense that uh, it's not so much the second giving of a law in that we're going to look at all the Levitical codes, all the ceremonial laws, and all of those kinds of things, but rather they're the laws of the land, the laws of the land. And in these laws, you find for us principles and even commands that still exist to us today. Uh, there's, so you say, well, why don't we need the Old Testament anymore? Because the, the New Testament comes out of the Old Testament. That's why. Uh, it's what's, that's where these authors came from. Uh, our, our, one of our greatest teachers, our greatest teacher, Jesus Christ, he was, he was a Jew. And he said that uh, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Our second, one of our second greatest teachers in the New Testament was another Jew, and his name was Paul. And uh, out of his studies of the Old Testament came his writings, which are filled with Old Testament scriptures. So it's, an, it's imperative that we understand the New Testament. Uh, a good understanding of the New Testament is only because there's a good understanding of the Old. Because you have a good understanding of the Old. And so though we're not going to dive into verse-by-verse verse detail of these chapters, I don't feel that's what the Lord wants us to do, we're going to do a summarization of these chapters as we look through them. But if I had to choose one verse out of this section, uh, I would choose two. Did you get that? All right. Uh, if I had to choose one theme verse, I would actually choose two. I can't choose one. But it's found in Deuteronomy 5. And verse number 1, and also Deuteronomy 5 and verse number 32. These are the two theme verses, I believe, that are connected and show to us what Moses is trying to teach the children of Israel and what God is still trying to teach us. And Moses called all of Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn and keep and do them. Then in verse number 32, notice what it says. Ye shall observe to do, a, uh, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you, ye shall not turn aside to, right, to the right hand or to the left. And verse 33 is a good one, too. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live and that ye may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye possess. This is the theme of these chapters and really the theme of Deuteronomy. Really, the theme of Deuteronomy is the word here, here. In fact, we'll study it here in just a second, but in Deuteronomy 6 is one of the, the, uh, the theme verses really for all of Judaism. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. We'll see it here. Hear, O Israel, uh, the Lord thy God is one. So that's one of the, that's, the that's, that's a theme verse for all of Israel right there. But the, the point being here tonight is this word here. Or another way that it is uh, written out for us is to observe, or to keep, or to do, or to write, or to teach, or to bind, or to fear, or to walk, or to observe. All of these words are really meaning this, are going after the same concept. And that is that these are the ways in which we should respond to the Word of God. We should teach it, we should keep it, we should do it, we should walk in it, we should fear it, we should listen to it, we should obey it, we should do God's word and hear it. Hear 
God's word. Now we understand that in the Old Testament and our in our in our in our studies of the New Testament too, we understand that when the Bible tells us to hear something, it doesn't mean that it doesn't just mean you know allow the vibrations to hit the eardrum, right? We understand that. Alright? We understand that that's not what it that's what not what the Bible means when it means to hear something. It, we're, we're, Jesus uh, was not giving us a, uh, a a sound test, and there's one of our crickets right there. And uh, maybe step on him, Corey, right beside you. And there you go. Uh, good job. And so, uh, if you see a cricket around here, it's not because we don't have pests. How many of you guys got crickets close to the house? Oh, we've got crickets everywhere. It's great. And uh, we went around picking up crickets this morning. And uh, I'm sure my wife wanted to tell you that. But, uh, but anyhow, so uh, uh, it's. Uh, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> now this crickets. Here, yes, yes. Uh, whenever the Bible says to hear, it's not a sound test. Like, you know, whenever you put the, the, the earphones on, okay, raise this hand if you hear a sound in your right hand. Or your, your, yeah. That's not what he's saying, okay? Hear in the scriptures has the same idea of doing. It's, a, it's the connection there. If you hear something, then you need to do something. It's not just being taught something. Um, we have, I have to, uh, I have a plumbing license, and though I don't plumb very much anymore, still, to keep that up, I've got to continue in education, all right? Okay? And some of the things are good, but the last section of continuing education is just boring, okay? To, for lack of better words, okay? All it is is about, you know, how to better use you know, solar uh, water heater designs and stuff like that. And people, you know, nobody, people aren't even using solar water heaters a lot here in Texas, okay? Uh, it's just, it's just like, you know, how to restage your commercial water boiler and things like that. It's just all these kind of, all these, all these things that are at, and it's like the, you know, the, the energy efficiency of, of, uh, of, uh, of different types of water. It's just, anyhow, it's all boring, okay? And it's one of those things that you, you hear and you listen to it, but you're not going to go out and do anything about it. But that's not what the Word of God is. The Word of God is you hear it and then you do it. You listen to it. You don't just come to a service like this and just to come to a service. You actually come here so that you can hear God's Word and then you can apply it, fear it, walk in it, and do it. So the Bible teaches us just in these three chapters, all right? This is what I, I, I wrote these down. But in just these three chapters, four, five, and six, okay, you find the, those words that I mentioned to you just now, do, heed, take, heed, write, teach, all those things that are connected to the commands of God. You find those types of action words connected to the commands of God 40 plus times. 40 plus times to do the word of God. It's no wonder where James, uh, the apostle, got his doctrine from, right? Where did he get his doctrine from? He got it from the from the book of Deuteronomy, because he wrote in James one twenty two, "Be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Deceiving your own selves." Where did he get that? He got that from Deuteronomy. That's where he got it from. Exactly where he got it from. So tonight we're seeing that we ought to fear God, observing. His commandments. How do you fear God? By observing His commandments. You fear God by observing 
his commandments. All right? So chapter number four, we see, number one, we see the introduction to the law. We begin right here with the introduction to the law because chapter number five, he's going to give us the Ten Commandments again. Exodus chapter number 20, you got the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter number five, you get the Ten Commandments again. You get them twice. Why? Because Deuteronomy is the re-giving of the law. It's the second giving of the law. That's why. So you got it two times in the scriptures. Why? Because we forget about it. And we need reminding about it. That's why. And so here we have it, the introduction to the law of God. And, and verses 1 through 14 is Moses' appeal to the nation. He is appealing to them. He is, uh, he is telling them that they should be humble and respectful and fear God. Why? Because God had chosen them a people that were not a people at one time. Uh, verse number one says, Now therefore hearken, there is that word again, hear, hearken, listen, obey, O Israel, under the statutes and judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that you may live and go and possess the land which the Lord God your fathers giveth you. You shall not add, uh, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God. Uh, we're instructed over in uh, the book of Revelation. Where do you think Revelation got that from, right? Revelation chapter number 22. Revelation chapter number 22. You say, why are we turning to the New Testament? Well, Revelation chapter number 22, in uh, verse number 18, the Bible tells us this. It says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So where is John getting that from? He's getting it from Deuteronomy. That's where he's getting it from. His teaching is coming out of that right there. That's not exact word for word. I understand that. But the point being is that that is coming out of what he has learned from the word of God from Moses right here. In Deuteronomy 4.2, that you, will not, you should not uh, add to it and you shouldn't take away from it. And I believe that command is still around for us today. Amen? We shouldn't be taken out from this book. And we shouldn't be adding to this book. And uh, we've got to be careful with that. We've got to be careful with different versions that are adding to and taking away. Uh, and, uh, and just do a little research on how many times the NIV takes out the blood. I mean, just, just, just that alone. Uh, and just, just, that's just one version right there that takes it out, doesn't put it in, and uh, diminishes it, takes it away. And we've got to be careful. We've got to do our research on that and say, hey, what? What is it? We're, we're, are we taking away from it? Are we adding to it? We don't want to do that either. Amen? And uh, one thing I appreciate about the King James Bible is that, is, that, uh, is that it gives to us the supply words in italics. Right. You ever seen that before? You've seen the italics there, right? So why are the italics there? That's a supply word. That means that that word was not in the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic. But it is supplied because they didn't need it in their language. They didn't need it in, the, in, that, in that particular language. One word, one Greek word could be a whole sentence in, language, in, 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 uh, in, in English, all right? So this is a totally different language, okay? So they had to supply words in order that uh, it may be easily to be understood in our English language. But the 
Praise God, King James Bible is at least honest with us about that. A lot of Bibles are not honest with that. They don't show you where the words are supplied at. Uh, and they add to and take away. But nonetheless, he is introducing the law. He's giving them an appeal. And the appeal that he gives to them is found in verse number 7. For he says, For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we may that call that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? And then again, he tells them again, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. He's going to keep repeating that over and over and over and over. Like I said, 40 plus times. All right? Or you're going to get tired of hearing it. Because he's trying to drive it in. It's what is the repetition is the mother of all learning, right? And so you, 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 you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Driving it in is what he's trying to do. Now, verses 15 through 31, he tells them basically why they should observe. Why should they observe the laws of God? And the reason is so that they would forsake idolatry. Forsake idolatry. Now, one of the things that have been on my mind of late is what was, what is, I guess, the appeal of idolatry? I don't have the answer for you tonight, all right? But there was an appeal to this. There was an appeal to worship idols, all right, in, in their day. There was this appeal that, that to us, that probably does not feel like an appeal, right? Uh, we, we're probably... I would say that the vast majority of us have probably never said, you know what, I, I think I'll, I think I'll go get some, some Buddhas and some, you know, some different, some different gods and lay them, put them out, and I'll bow down before them and I'll offer candles and all those kinds of things before those kinds of things. Maybe you used to do that before you got saved, and you understand the appeal behind it. But I'm just saying that they're saying, he's saying, hey, you need to flee idolatry, forsake it, and this word is what's going to help you. To do that. That's verses 15 through 31. That's a big section there. Uh, and he tells them, he says uh, in verse number 23, he says, Take heed to yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he had made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For thy Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. So he tells them, stay away from these graven images. And then in verses 32 through 40, the reason he says here, you obey the law of God is because it's God's law and he is the only God. He is the supreme authority. He is the only person that is out there that can tell you what to do and how to do it and exactly what it is. It's a perfect law because it comes from God. Uh, verse 32, for ask now the days that have passed which have been before thee since this day that God created man upon the earth and ask from one side of the heaven unto another whether there hath been anything, such thing that is a great thing as this or hath been heard like it that ever a people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of a fire as they heard and lived? He says in verse 33, has anybody ever heard this before? This is crazy. You, you don't forsake it. There's, there's only one God. There is none else beside him, he says in verse number 35. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, and there is none else beside him. This is the introduction to the law right here. And he reminds them, hey, make sure that you listen to the law. Why? So that you can forsake idolatry. 
Because, number two, because this is the law of God. And there is no other God beside him. And then verses number 41 and 43 show to us just, it shows to us here the three cities of refuge. Just three of them. There will be six eventually. But they haven't conquered the land yet over on the, over on the west side of Jordan. They're still on the east side of Jordan. And he sets up three cities of refuge there. What was a city of refuge? We'll talk more about this in chapter number 19. But a city of refuge was a place where if somebody killed somebody accidentally, they could flee to that place and then get served uh, good and true justice, all right? And they could figure out if it was a right, if it was, if it was accidental or if it was on purpose and all those kinds of things. So it's kind of interesting that he sets this up before even setting the law up. One author said that it was showing to us, showing to them, that God was merciful, a merciful God. And God cares about life, and he does. John Calvin said, Hence let us learn that even when we cannot at once entirely carry out the commands that God tells us to, we are to not sit by and do nothing and be idle. I like that. Uh, he's, telling, he's saying, Moses is saying, Hey, I can't go into the land, but what I can do is I can set up these cities on this side of Jordan. All right? I don't agree with everything John Calvin said, but that's a great quote. Hey, don't be lazy. Do what you can do in the Word of God. And then finally, verses 44 through 49, he establishes here the time frame, the geographical location of where the law is given the second time. The important thing here is that they were not in the land yet. And God was setting all of this up. Why give us this information about where it was and who gave it, the time frame, and all this kind of stuff. Because he's setting up for us that this is before they went into the land. Before you go anywhere, before you fight, before you start to conquer, get this law in your hearts. Man, isn't that important for us? Before you go out and fight tomorrow's battles, you should be getting the word of God in your heart. You should be taking time to read the word. Let it sink into our ears. Hear the word. All right, chapter number five. We have the introduction to the law, number one. Chapter number five, we have the law. Simple points tonight, all right? Moses is telling them the Ten Commandments, okay? Now, this is a simple outline. Chapter five, verses one through 21. Ten Commandments, amen? That's what it is. All right. Now, what are the Ten Commandments? Okay? What we're going to talk about. Chapter number 5, verse number 7. First commandment is what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. All right? Thou shalt have no other, thou shalt have none other gods before me. If I'd have thought about it at the time, uh, Luke, I'd have had you come up here and draw the little uh, thing that Brother Nathan taught us. Remember that from the Ten Commandments? Brother, uh, uh, Brother Nathan and, uh, and uh, what's her last name? My wife's not in here. She would, she would know their last name. Taught us how to remember the Ten Commandments with the pictures. Not drawing a blank right now, right? That's it. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, so, uh, we had another adult Sunday school teacher, and he would, he taught us how to how to remember the Ten Commandments by pictures. I have to get with Brother Nathan on that, and uh, 
So, first one is this. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Uh, number two, second commandment. Thou shalt make thou shalt not make any the any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow thou thyself unto them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So first law is have none other gods before me. Alright? You might not worship an idol, but you can make something else a god. Alright? You can make something else a god. Have none other... And then also, don't worship any graven image. Okay? I know... I know that there will be some churches out there, the Catholic Church will tell you they're not worshiping these things, but... They make idols to them, they bow down to them, they pray to them, they, they kiss them, they offer candles to them, they offer offerings to them. It's worship. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it is. Uh, go to the Hindu temple and see what they're doing. The exact same thing. All right? I, I'm not mad at Catholics when I say that. I'm just... They're, 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 they're in blindness, they're in darkness, they're in ignorance, and uh, they need to see that. Uh, they're worshiping graven images. I think even in the, I'm pretty sure that even in the, uh, I know for sure, that in the Ten Commandments of the, uh, of the, of the Catholic Church, this, is, this commandment is taken out. Right. And I believe one of the commandments is broken in two to make it into, I can't remember which one that is. Yes, I think there, there's one of them that's broken in two to make it Ten Commandments. So they actually remove this one so they can get by with worshiping graven images. Uh, very, just, uh, again, I'm not mad at Catholic people, all right? Okay? Understand, we, we're not mad at Catholic people. But but there, there is a hierarchy of popes and cardinals and bishops that are purposely <coughs> blinding people. And... Uh, They've done that for thousands of years. Uh, number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That's twofold, all right? That verse, that, that means two different things, okay? Number one, it means that you would not use God's name literally in vain, that you wouldn't say his name in vain, okay? The Pharisees, uh, the scribes, I should say, were so ritualistic about this that when they actually wrote the name of the Lord down, that they would write the name of the Lord, and some say that they would even uh, throw away the pen and get another pen. Some say they would even go further than that and go and uh, take a ceremonial cleansing after they would write that word so they could come back and finish working on the word of God. So it, 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 they took that seriously. Another thing that take not the name of the Lord that God in vain means is that you don't, you don't ascribe yourself as a believer in God and then don't live for God. That's the other way. So there's two different ways to take God's name in vain. Saying it vainly and then living vainly. Okay? Uh, so remember that. Don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. The fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day, to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Uh, but the seventh is, is the day is the the seventh day of the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. There's a whole lot of that goes into that verse right there. I'll let you read it. it goes down to verse number fifteen. 
All right? So keep the Sabbath day. So why aren't we keeping Saturday? The Sabbath is Saturday, right? That's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is not Sunday, okay? Sabbath is Saturday. All right, so why are we, why are we keeping, keeping that anymore? All right? One of the reasons is that if you look throughout the New Testament, and I've preached two sermons completely on this and went through all of this and everything, I'm giving you like a crash course right now, okay? So, uh, is that, number one, Jesus is our Sabbath, all right? Hebrews chapter number four and five teach us that. And then also, another reason is that the early church, what did they begin to do? They began to meet on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, which is the day that the Lord rose from the dead. And another third thing is this, is why was the Sabbath given? You have to go into all of that. The Sabbath was given as a sign to the covenant of Israel, to the nation of Israel is why it was given. I'm not saying that you don't rest one day a week. Praise God, you need to rest one day a week. You need to find some time to get away. You don't need to work seven days a week, okay? You need to take some time off. You need to do that, all right? I try to do that on Monday. I don't try to, I, I, Sunday, I, Sundays are, are hard for me, all right? So Sunday can't be my Sabbath, okay? If you want to word it like that. It's not my rest, okay? All right, Sabbath, I have to take, I do so. I just say, you know what, Mondays, I'm going to try to just do what I can do. Just rest, sleep in, and try to just uh, have a restful day, okay? So keep the Sabbath. Uh, number five. So the first four laws are directed at our relationship between us and God, okay? That's the first four laws, between us and God. The next six laws are directed between us and man, all right? Us and man. They are, honor thy father and mother. Number, number, number seven, thou shalt not kill. Or number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, neither shalt thou steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That means don't tell lies to people. And number ten, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, his manservant, or his maidservant, or his ass, or his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. So those are the ten commandments. If you forgot them, you've learned them again. If you want to hear more in depth, Research in detail on that, all the preaching on that. I preached about over 10 sermons on each one of them. So uh, I preached on 10 sermons, about 12 or 14 different sermons on the Ten Commandments. Preached on each one of the commandments. Uh, so, anyhow, uh, verses 5, chapter number 5, verses 23 through 28. The people of Israel asked Moses to talk to God. Now he's reminding them, okay? So, chapter number 5 is Moses reminding them about the law. But he's reminding them in a, in a past tense. He's saying, okay, remember the law of God, which I told you there on Mount Sinai I, that the Lord gave to us. And I gave it to you, and I brought down the stones and all those kinds of things. And we, we, we discussed this. He says, then you saw the fire of God and all those kinds of things. And he's reminding them about this experience that they went through. And that how whenever they heard the words of God coming out of the mount, out of the fire, they told Moses, we don't want to listen. We don't want to hear God. His voice is too scary for us, right? It's too frightening for us. You go up to the top of the mountain and get the rest of the words of God and then bring them back down to us and we'll listen to you. And then verses 29 through 33 tells us what God recorded for us at that time, how he felt about that experience. He said, I wish they were like this all the time. Man, I wish they would fear me like they're fearing me now. 
I wish they would always be like this, but he knows that they were not. Verse 29 tells us that. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children. One interesting factor that goes into all of this of keeping the word, two things I should say, is this, is that, is that when you do God, when he's telling him, if you do God's word, it will go well for you in the land. That is in Canaan land. It will go well for you. You'll conquer. You'll be able to, you'll be able to conquer people. You'll be able to uh, have fruitful fields. You'll be able to have fruitful marriages. You'll be able to have safety and security. And it will also, it will go well for your children. That's the second portion of it. It's not only will it go for well for you, but it'll also be good for your children. All right? I mean, I mean, how much more motivation can we get, right? I mean, we're, I mean, I mean, people always talk about it today, right? I mean, what about the children, right? I mean, God was giving given to them the, the most endearing plea he could give, right? He said, don't forget about your kids, your children. You love your kids, right? You want your kids to have more than what you have, right? That's what every parent wants. I mean, when you, some people say, that's what every parent wants. It's just to have, you know, for my kids to have it better than, than we had, all right? And that's what God's saying to them. You want your kids to have it better than what you had it, then obey and do and observe and keep the word of God. Listen to it. And it will go well for you in the land. At the end of the book, you'll find out that if you don't do it, there's blessings. If you do do it, there's blessings. If you don't do it, there's cursings. And uh, he gives a little bit of that in chapter number five also. Chapter number six. We have the introduction of the law, the law. Now we have the reception of the law. What should our reception of God's word and to our hearts look like? What should it do for us? All right. In verse number four, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. We all should just memorize those two verses right there. We should especially take verse number five. Deuteronomy 6 5 should be memorized. By every Christian. Every Christian ought to have Deuteronomy 6 5 in your heart. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy with, with all thy might, with all thy with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. You see, God has always been concerned about the heart. Amen? He's always been concerned about that. People think law, 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 law. God is, in the Old Testament, God is law, 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 law. But you know what God is concerned about? He's concerned about the heart. Get it in your heart. If you don't have it in your heart, he knew that it wasn't going to come out in their life. Right? I mean, uh, uh, anybody, a pastor or, or uh, uh, a father or, or a mother or, or God himself to tell you what to do and how to do it, right? Or you're just let's just take a the you know a so-called non-spiritual application. Your boss could tell you what to do, and and you could do it, 
to a T. Exactly the way that your boss told you to do it. But if it's not in your heart, if you don't believe him, then you might do it to a T, but there's going to be a bad attitude that's associated with it. There could be a bitter spirit. There could be a lackadaisical heart. There could be laziness that's involved. And eventually, there's probably going to be some loosening up of what you do do, because it's not in your heart to do it. You don't want to do it because it's not in your heart to do it. And that's what he's saying about the Word of God. He's like, you do it, you observe it, you keep it. But what's the key to it? It's got to be in your heart. It's got to be in your heart to do it. It's got to be in your, it's got to be in your soul. It's got to be with all your might. It's got to be inside of you. It's not just a, a preacher telling you, you know, thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not kill, and thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt have none other gods before me. And you go, okay, okay, I got all that. I got it, I got it all, all right? I won't do any of those things. But you don't do any of those things, not because he doesn't say not to do those things. You don't do any of those things because it's in your heart. So you just goes, you don't want to do those things. Because you don't want to displease God. Because you love God. You love the Lord. If somebody loves their job, they're not going to do something to discredit them and make them lose their job. Amen? Make sense? They're, they're not going to do something purposely to make themselves lose if they love their job. Alright? And if we love the Lord, we're, just gonna, we're not going to purposefully say, well, I'm going to do this. Why? Because we love God. The reception of the law, what should it look like when we receive the word of God in our hearts? We should, it should prompt, verses chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, it should prompt us to love God. It should prompt us to love God. That should be the reception. We see it, we say, this is God's word, there's only one God, He is the God, he is the Lord, and I want to obey Him and observe and keep and guard these things in my heart. Why? Because I love it. And then it should also, in verses 10 through 19 of chapter 6, it should encourage us to walk uprightly while we live in this world. He tells them, he says, you're going to get to the land and it's going to be good and you're going to have houses and lands and vineyards and olive trees what you didn't even plant and you didn't even grow. All right? He says, when you get there, he says, verse 13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. And ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of this people which are round about you. And he says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall, uh, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. Again, he says it again. Verse 19, he says, uh, verse 19, 18, And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, uh, he tells them. He says, he says, the rather prompting is this. Why do we keep the word of God? Why are we doing the word of God? Why is it, what should be our reception? It should encourage us to stay away from ungodly living. An unrighteous living and walk uprightly while we live in this world. They were facing a enemy that was a spiritual enemy. 
They were facing an enemy, not just a physical enemy, they were facing a spiritual enemy. They were facing an enemy where they were going to be tested to whether or not they were going to go after their abominations. And you and I live in a world today and sadly, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Edomites and all the rest of the ites, they haven't gone very far. All right? They just changed names. Okay? And the abominations of the heathen in Canaan still exist in America today. And you need to receive the word of God that you may love the Lord thy God and that you might Keep yourselves unspotted from the world, as Jude says. Stay away from it. It'll help you if you know God's word. And then lastly, as he says, as he closes out the chapter, chapter number 6, verses 20 through 25, uh, he mentions this briefly in chapter number 6 and verse number 7. I'll read that verse where it says, uh, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk with them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. The reception of God's word should prompt us to love God. It should encourage us to walk uprightly in the world. And it should urge us to teach our children the word of God. It should urge us to teach the children the word of God. And that's not, and that's not on the pastor. And that's not on the Sunday school teacher. Uh, that's not on the Awana's director, okay? Teaching the children the word of God is on the parent. That's where it, that's where it solely lies at right there. The priests, the Levites, uh, the prophets, they were given that they might add understanding to the word. They were given in order that they might add a better wisdom and, and a more completion of what, what, what does this word mean? Teach it to us. And then what were they to do? They were to teach it to their children. So, so they, were, they, were, they were there to assist. They weren't there to take over people's families. The first institution of, of God was the family. Was the family. Verse number 20, And when thy son asketh thee, to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments the Lord our God hath commanded you? And then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Listen, you ought, to, you ought to be able to sit down and tell your kids, Hey, this is our testimony. This is where we came from. This is how God saved us. He saved, he saved us, He saved us out of this. And, he saved us out of that. And God saved me when I was this age. And God saved me over here when I... And God saved me from those things. And 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 he, and he then you tell them about how God delivered you. And how God helped you. And God provided for you. Alright? It would encourage them. The Smiths were just talking to me right before service tonight. And about how uh, they were they were in need. Great need for, uh, for Don to get, a, to get a job. And... Uh, and they prayed, and was it the same day they got a phone call from somebody telling them, hey, we've got a job for you, offering him a job. You know? How does that work out? How does somebody just call you? You know what you do with a story like that? You tell your kids. That's what you do. 
What do you do with a story whenever somebody is healed in your family or some need is miraculously met? What do you do with a story like that? You tell your children. And you tell your grandchildren. Why do you do that? So that they can grow up in the ways of God too. And so that they can see how God has provided, how God has blessed, and urge them to teach them and, and let them see that we don't serve some dead God. Amen? We serve a God that is alive, that hears and answers prayers. That's the God we serve. We need to realize that and recognize that. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. May God help us to do, to observe, to take heed, to teach, to bind, to write, uh, and observe the word of God. It is his word. May God help us in it. Father, we thank you.